So I've been in prayer a lot from uh, over the last few weeks, well, last few months, about what's just like looking at our world, uh, what's God doing. There's just been so much I've been praying about, and I know our prayer team has, and our pastor has, and our leaders have. And uh, a couple weeks ago, God just started speaking this word to my heart, and uh told Pastor Chad that someday soon, I think God has a word he wants me to give, and he goes, just let me know when. And I'm like, no, man, you're you're nailing it, man. The words you're bringing are straight from the Lord. Uh, you'll know when it's the right time, and I guess maybe God said it was the right time, and I'm here. And it uh, so... We have this word, um, I didn't have a long time to put it into notes, but I know where we're going, we just need the Lord to organize it. So before I get started, I'm going to pray and just ask the Holy Spirit to take over and to speak to us. So, Father God, we thank you for today, Lord. Uh, God, thank you that you knew this plan before we even uh, got to this point. You knew, you knew Pastor Chad wouldn't be here. You knew what would be going on, Lord. Uh, you knew that you knew the right word for today, God. So right now, I'd pray that I would just get out of your way, Lord. That uh, whenever I begin to speak, God, it would be your message, not mine. I pray, Lord, that uh, that our hearts be ready to receive what you have for us. And I pray that not one of us would be the same as when we walked in here, Lord. And God, we lift our pastor up to you, Lord, for a, a speedy healing. That whatever it is he has, God, that it just goes away. Uh, Lord, I see Margie had a prayer request. Uh, her friend Krista's husband died of a heart attack, so we want to lift her up, God. And that family, just comfort them in their time of need, Lord, and just be with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've all seen a lot go on in our world. We see the division. We see we see a whole lot of people who are, who are standing on the, the left, you know, that are are telling you everything's chaotic, we need to do this, we need to do that. And we've got a whole lot of people on the right doing the same. The word God gave me uh, in prayer was, even the righteous could be deceived. Right? Even the righteous could be deceived. And, and we're told that that's why God cuts the time short, is because the righteous could be deceived. And we have to be careful as a church, as believers, not to be deceived. Sometimes we think our righteous agenda is God's righteous agenda. Sometimes we think we know more than other people, but truthfully, all we know is the Lord. And that's all we need. But sometimes we get to the point that we're arguing. We're, we're, we're trying to spread facts. We're trying to, this is right, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is right. And everybody has an opinion. And with 340 people in America, there's 340 opinions. 340 million, I mean, opinions. But God's truth is the only real truth. So we have to we have to err on that side, right? Whenever there are people are like, hey man, wear a mask, be cautious, and then we're like, that's stupid. We really don't know. We really don't know. None of us are doctors, none of us even the experts haven't studied this stuff enough to really know anything. So we just we do our best and that's why we wear them here, because we really don't know. Whenever I was younger, I was about eleven years old, John, my brother and I we decide uh, we're going to go to this youth group. But it wasn't because we wanted to go to church. It was because there was girls there. So we're there, and this guy gets up. Uh, they, they bring in this, this rock band. It's uh, 80s hair band, you know. It was, uh, it was everything at the time. It was, it was, I think it was 88 or 89. I think it was 88. You, you always have these people. Like, 80s hair bands were cool, you know. Like, if they were in your area, they didn't have to be... They didn't necessarily even have to be that talented. They just should look, you know. Like, I don't know what it was. Am I right? It was just a look. And it, uh, so we're there, and this, this guy who's the lead singer of this band was a former Hell's Angel. So that just made him even cooler to us, right? You're just like, wow, he's tough. And uh, even though he had long, girly hair, he was tough to us, you know, as was, was the time period. And he gets up, and he starts singing. And then in the middle of it, he starts talking about hell. A lot of times, churches don't talk about hell, because uh, they think it scares people, right? And uh, no, you'll get them, they'll be fearful, they don't want to come around, people don't want to hear about hell, but Jesus talked about hell, I believe, more than he did heaven. And if he's willing to talk about it, we have to remember that, right? So this guy's talking about hell, and if you, if you don't accept Jesus Christ, your Savior, you're going to hell. And he left it at that. 
So I run up whenever they did the altar call, along with every other little kid that didn't want to go to hell. And, uh, and mind you, I say little kid, all the rest of them were teenagers. I was 11 and I was lying about my age so I can be there. And it, uh, yeah, well, there's girls. And it, uh, so that's what we did. I, it, uh, where John went, I went, and we just lied about my age. That's what we always did. And it, uh, so it's true. But that we, so I'm there, everybody's up front. I'm like, I don't want to go to hell. And they're praying over me. And I know, I'm like, no, really, I don't want to go to hell. And they pray over me, and we pray together to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior, right? So I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. The next week I go back and I realize I'm still a messed up kid. That guy ain't there, but other people are there, and I go back up and I say the sinner's prayer again. Like, I don't want to go to hell. I really don't want to go to hell. I really had no idea or grasp of what heaven was or even what Jesus was. I mean, I was older reading the Bible on my own before I realized Jesus was the Son of God. I, I, you know, it was, I didn't realize that he was my Savior technically. I just knew he died for me. And they're talking, and all I can keep thinking about is I don't want to go to hell. That's all I can think about. I'm not thinking about anything. I don't know what, I couldn't tell you one message for the rest of that time. All I can remember is a guy saying, if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to hell. And that's all that was stuck in my head for three weeks. So three straight weeks I went up and said that sinner's prayer because I didn't want to go to hell. Well, through the rest of my life after that, I'm reading the Bible. I'm trying to, I'm trying to live the life that I should be living while still not understanding who Jesus is or anything else, thinking I don't want to go to hell, I want to go to heaven. We get in this mindset sometimes, I just don't want to go to hell. Right? And we also get in the mindset that, man, I can't wait to go to heaven. Pastor Rod used to ask this question that I loved. It was my favorite question he ever asked, and it was, if Jesus wasn't in heaven, would you still want to go? That's a powerful question. If Jesus wasn't in heaven, would you still want to go there? What is your motivation for wanting to go to heaven? Is it so you have a big mansion? Is it so there's no more pain? Is there no more no struggles? I won't be crying anymore. Is it the benefits you get of being there, or is it Jesus? Right? That's where we got to be at. What is our motivation for everything we do? I'm going to start in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. And it says, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's our foundation. That's where we start. Right? We don't start with, I don't want to go to hell. That is a weak foundation. If I would have knew the truth about Jesus and how he who he was and that I needed him in my life and how, how much I desire, should be desiring that, it probably would have changed my whole life after that. Maybe, well, God usually has a plan. It probably wouldn't, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, that's where we start. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stone, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. That day is judgment day. So, doesn't matter what you're building on this foundation, if it's your own works and your own building, it'll be brought to light, right? doesn't matter what it is. You can have the best job in the world. You can have the best home life. You can have, you can have 14 cars. You can have anything you've ever thought you desired. Whenever the day of judgment comes, your heart will be revealed on that, right? And it said, uh, because the day will bring it to light, it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. The fire will test the quality of each person's work. If it has been built, if what has been built survives, the builder receives a reward. Okay? So, we want all these great things when we get to heaven. We want to be blessed. We want to be in mansions. We're like, I want the crowns. Uh, I want everything. 
I want it all, right? But your heart dictates your reward in it. You can build a hundred ministries, and if your heart's not in the right place, there's no reward for it. When the fire, when it goes through the fire, it will be burned up. It will be nothing but an ash, and you will enter in empty-handed. Because our hearts is what matters. Our purpose is what matters. Our purpose shouldn't be, I want to get to heaven and I want all these rewards. That's great to have the mindset of, I want rewards. Right? You're like, hey man, like I want to be blessed when I get to heaven. I do want to be blessed when I get to heaven, but my motives have to be in the right place. Right? If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet he will still be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. doesn't mean you're not saved because you're building your own life. It doesn't mean that you're not uh, going to make it to heaven. I don't want you to think that, um, that I'm saying that if your motives dictate whether you're saved. Salvation is a gift of God. It's a... It was mercy from the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, you are saved. But that is not the finish point, right? So sometimes we, we want to be saved so the Lord will come and save what we have. So he'll come and save us from the misery we're in. or So he'll come and save us from what's going on and make, make what we have good. But that's not who Jesus is. So we're going to go to Luke 5 here in verse 33. It's very interesting that I, I, I love this. Uh, actually, in prayer the other night, Rhonda had brought this up, and I, I thought it was awesome. So as I was praying, as, as Pastor Chad was talking about not being here today, I, I start, I'm thinking, okay, this is where that word comes from. But as I told you a couple weeks ago, God started speaking to me this word. I didn't know when I was going to give it, but Thursday at prayer, we're talking about these very things. Friday at a young adult group, Jason's bringing a message about trusting in the Lord. And even yesterday at men's group, we're talking about stuff before I even knew we were going to preach this. So I knew it was the right word, but we got to receive what God's going to give us. So in Luke 5, verse 33, it says, They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours... Go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. If you're not careful in this, it looks like Jesus is saying we don't have to fast because we're with the Lord and we're spending time with the Lord. But that's not the case. This is actually Jesus revealing a heart issue. Okay? John's disciples fasted because they didn't know Jesus. That is true. They weren't walking with Jesus, they were walking with John. The Pharisees would fast. Everybody was fasting except for those who was with Jesus. Right? But the reasoning why people were fasting had nothing to do with Jesus. There was appointed times that you would fast in that time. You would go through fasting because it was appointed that in these days we'll fast, at this time we're going to fast, we're going to do this. And there was a lot of rituals that would go on in that time period. There's a lot of things people would do because they had to do it, not because they were doing it unto the Lord or to be closer to the Lord. So he, he's pointing that out, that, hey, I'm right here with them. There's no need for it. Uh, if you're... When we get to heaven, we won't need to fast because we're right there with Jesus, right? Our whole goal ever since the fall was to be reconnected with God. They're walking side by side with God. They didn't need to fast and get that closeness with the Lord because he was right with them, right? He goes on, he says, uh, he told them this parable, no one tears a piece out of a new garment and patches an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new one will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wineskins, 
And this is also very important. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new. Nobody after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. And these are all very important to a Christian's walk, all these things, which sometimes you're like, eh, they just sound kind of a little different. I've heard the saying of, you know, you need to have the Holy Spirit in a new wine skin, and we've heard that. But these are actually very important for the uh, the Jews at the time. So, as he was talking to the Pharisees about the fasting, he's pointing out that it was a chore to them. He's pointing out that you only did it because you have to do it. You only did it because it's what you've always done, and there's no meaning to it. So he's talking about this patching of a new garment, and how when you patch the new garment or the old garment with a new thing, it rips it, and it's not ready for it. Right? We know that's true because it's an old fabric; it looks weird. Now they iron them on, and it ain't quite the same anyway. But most of us, most people don't even use patches anymore. We just walk around with the same old tears and the old stuff. But it. Uh, before I get too far on it, we're talking about fasting and everything like that. And what the disciples were doing with Jesus Christ was the most important thing that a Christian could ever do. It's part of why Pastor Chad is pushing this prayer room so much and how important it is. They were daily breaking bread with the Lord Jesus Christ and fellowshipping with him. Why would you ever stop that? Why would you ever fast? from breaking the bread with Jesus Christ and spending time with him. If you're fasting, you're actually taken away from that if you're them. Not us. We're called to fast because we're denying our flesh and then we're spending time with the Lord and we're actually eating with him that way. But that's what he wanted to point out to them. So the fabric for them is uh, his whole analogy and that is trying to explain to them that they had an old way of worshiping, right? You have an old way of worshiping, but I'm bringing a new way to worship. I am a new thing. I am telling you I am the way, I am the life, I am the only way to heaven, right? So if you're taking your old way of worship, your old life, and you add Jesus to it, it just don't match up, right? It doesn't match up. In the same way that whenever you take a new patch and you put it on an old garment, your old way, it don't line up. It starts ripping. Things don't work well. The patch will be just fine. It's the old garment that won't be. Jesus is always going to be just fine. But our old life may be a mess. And then you're walking around because Jesus done fell out of your life and you still got the old. Right? And that's what he's trying to point out to us here in this uh the wineskins were very important. It, uh, I have written here, it says, the same goes for the wine. Old wineskins, and this is, uh, we don't make wine, hopefully none of us actually make the wine, but we don't make wine in wineskins anymore. We don't store them, right? Old wineskins were made of like a leathery substance, right? They were like a leather, and whenever you have the, uh, the old wineskins, you let them sit there with the old wine in it, what starts happening to leather after a period of time as it sits around is it starts hardening. It's not stretchable. It becomes hard. Uh, if you ever played with a football, they start getting hard. If you had a leather jacket over your life, if you don't treat it, it starts getting hard. If you had leather seats in your car, if you're not keeping them conditioned, they begin to crack. Right? And if you were to take those off those seats and you went over and you tried to put them over top of other seats, they would rip. Right? That's what that would do. Same thing goes with wine. Right? Whenever you make new wine, you're not making an alcoholic beverage in that time. You're making grape juice. Right? And then you would put the new grape juice into an old wine skin, and as it sits there, it would begin to start to ferment. Fermentation causes things to expand, causes it to be more. And what happens to those wine skins is they bust. And then you have a ruined wineskin. They're good for nothing. We don't do a lot of the things they did back then, so we kind of get distracted from it. We don't really pay attention as much, but the same thing goes with us. Our old ways, our old life, we had a way of doing things. 
We did the same thing over and over. We went through the motions. We had, we had hardened hearts. We weren't uh, flexible. We had a way of doing things in our old life. It's why you were as messed up as you are. Same with me. That's why I went up every time and said I don't want to go to hell because all I knew is that. I had a way of thinking. I didn't have a new mindset, right? I was stuck with the process of I wanted Jesus, but I didn't want to change, right? There's a big difference in wanting Jesus and wanting to change and wanting Jesus and not changing. You can have salvation sometimes without having a pliable heart. You can have salvation sometimes without allowing the Holy Spirit to live within you. So we need to, to think on that. Why would he use that analogy to them? Uh, because they weren't even allowed to drink fermented wine anyway. But he's trying to explain to them that their hearts were so hard, he couldn't do a new work in them. Their hearts were not ready to receive new work. Just like their old garments, their old lives were not ready for something new either. So he's trying to explain to his disciples were trying a new thing while they're stuck in an old ritualistic way. Then at the end of that scripture, it's talking talking about the old wine and how once you drink the old wine, you start drinking the old wine, you don't want the new wine. Which sounds weird because to us, we're like, everybody wants the new thing, right? That's... As he's telling them is, you guys don't want the new wine because you're used to drinking the old wine, and that's all you want. Well, old wine is fermented. It's alcoholic. New wine is just grape juice. Talk to any alcoholic, the moment they take a drink of alcohol, they want more. And if you say, no, man, go back to the non-alcoholic, they're going to be like, nope. Because that's what happens when you start drinking of the old stuff. When you get back, like once you get saved and you go right back to that old life, it's all you want. The new stuff doesn't seem as appealing to you because you're used to what you have and you're comfortable in what we have. So he's telling them, hey, whenever you go back to your old self, you're comfortable in it. You don't want to change. You don't want something new. And as Christians, we can easily get to the point of not wanting to change. And I keep saying it about salvation when we get saved, but it's not just salvation. If you remember, he's talking to people who were supposed to be seasoned religious people. They were Pharisees. They should have been the highest of the high in the church, right? They were at least in the temple, but even they weren't willing to change. Sometimes in Christians, we get to a point in our walk where we're stuck. And we're like, I like where I'm at. I'm in a good spot. And we forget that God's always wanting to do a new thing. We forget that maybe what we're doing is not everything God has for us. And we get stuck in this mindset of, I'm going to keep my old skin, I want to keep my old wine, and I'm going to keep my old clothes because they're comfortable. Every man in here knows that whenever their clothes get broke in, you don't get rid of them. (laughs) Women are always like, I want something new. And men are like, nope, I had to think for 10 years, most comfortable garment I ever had. But that's the way we get as Christians even. I've done this for 10 years. I don't want to change. This is the way we've always done it. And what happened four years ago, or four months ago? Something happened and everything changed. And the first thing we think is, is we need to get right back to where we were. We need to get back. We need to get in the church house. We need to do this. We need to do that. And God said, nope, not today. That's what he said. Something had to change. Now, I'm not saying that it was God who caused all of our issues, and I'm not even saying that it was right that we couldn't come into the church buildings. What I'm saying is God wanted to do something new. We were stuck in our old way of thinking, and it was kind of like this thought process of, what do we do? And some people stayed at home, and they really, really got a lot of Netflix watched. And some people stayed at home and they really, really dug into the conspiracies. And then some people stayed at home and they just watched this or that. And some stayed at home and they just seek the Lord and they're like, Lord, what is going on? 
because they understood that there was something new that wouldn't exist in their old way of thinking. They understood that God was speaking something different. We were very blessed that our pastor here heard from the Lord just a few weeks before, maybe a week before, that said, hey, everything that I told you is happening quicker than you think. And that's as far as going online with our stuff, building everything in the back. And he said, it's happening quicker than you think is what the Lord told Pastor Chad. So we knew when it happened that, hey, it's happening quicker than we thought. Right? We had the heads up, so it helped us to, to stay focused as an overall church. But what about in our own hearts? Are we still stuck in an old way or are we pursuing the Lord more now knowing that things are different? Are we still wishing that I can go back to not having to go through all the extra precautions? And, you know, still in America, coming into this church building this morning, we still have it easier than anywhere else going to church. And we're still uncomfortable. We still want it to go back. And, and I'm okay with it. Like, I would love to never have to wear a mask again for the rest of my life. I would love it. But don't let it distract us. Don't let what's going on distract us. Don't let's get stuck in our old heart set and our own own ways that we won't let Jesus do something new in us. Right? Let's not get stubborn. We need to be pliable. We need the Lord to speak to us. We need to be doing something different. We need to seek Him so much in these kind of times that, that there's new wine, not old. Right? We don't, we don't need to get stuck in doing the same thing over and over. I say all of that because one thing I think that everybody needs to be seeking, I don't care if you're Pastor Chad, you're me, Dave, Mike, I don't care if this is your first day here, the one thing we all need to be seeking is to be new, to be made new. All the time. Like It's not just like, man, that guy's got it going on or that girl got it going on. That doesn't mean she got to stop or he got to stop being new. Always having something new. Because... If you're not doing something new, you're going to get stale, you're going to get old, you're going to get dried up, and God can't use you. He can't do anything. And that goes back to the ritualistic things that are going to be burned up in the fire. It goes back to those things that we're building on our own. When I first did this, and God showed me, the game Jenga. Everybody know the game Jenga where you got the little building blocks and you stack them up and everybody's just pulling stuff out of them? Well, he showed me the game Jenga and uh, I thought about bringing it so we can do the analogy, but sometimes when we're building our lives, like whenever, you know, we're, we're sitting here and we have our life built up and then we get saved. Some of us, like, right where we were built at, we put Jesus right on top of that life and then we allow Jesus to start building on top of that. Like the Christian stuff's on top of that, right? You're going to churches on top of the life you already had. Uh, then maybe going to a, a conference, something like that. Everything is built on top of Jesus that that is sitting on top of the life you already had. So you're asking Jesus to come into what you already had, and you're like, well, I don't have to change. I'm just going to ask Jesus to be a part of what I'm already doing. And what happens is, is when Jesus said, hey, it's time to move, and he starts moving, all that stuff you built is going to stay, and all the stuff Jesus built is going to move. And you're going to be stuck there, like so many people are when Jesus moves, and they're like, I don't know what happened. I used to be a Christian. I used to follow Jesus, and I don't know what happened there. And it's because we weren't willing to allow Jesus to take the rest. It's because we had built the foundation of what we wanted. And it was built on us, not on Jesus. As Paul said before, that there's only one foundation, it's Jesus Christ, and everything has to be built on Him. Then he showed me this, this great life that's stacked up just like it would be with all the building blocks, and it's stacked up, and it's perfect, wonderful, you know. Two and a half kids, three-car garage, white picket fence, making a hundred and some odd thousand dollars a year, and your life's really good, but then you're like, okay, I want to put Jesus on top of that. But then you submit, and you're like, okay, I'm going to give Jesus all this. I'm going to give Jesus all this. And then we take that box and we cover it with Jesus. 
which sounds really good whenever we're like, Jesus, I'm going to give you all that I have for you to protect and you to take care of. And whenever uh, there's an issue with like my job, I want you to just fix that. And Jesus is there. The problem is when Jesus starts moving and he's just sitting covering over that, when he moves, all that stuff falls out. Because we just asked him to cover what we had. Right? But then there's those people whose lives are, like, they come to Jesus and they're, they're, like, there's just chaos and they realize that even though they have the job and they have the, the house and they have the kids and, and from the outside it looks good, but they realize it's all messy. There's all this stuff there. And they realize, man, without Jesus, I can't, I just don't get it right. Without Jesus, I don't know what to do. So they take that box and they pour it all into the box. Right, And it may still be messy when you put it all in the box, but you're like, Jesus, I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to trust you. Whatever you want to do, you do it. And when Jesus moves, it goes with him because he's the box that's carrying your life. He's the one you poured everything into. You didn't ask him to cover what you had. You gave it to him. Right? We don't always give God everything. We don't always give Jesus every part of our life. Pastor Chad was talking about the two-hour prayer thing he does on Monday through Friday, and some people are like, I, don't, I just don't know how you do that. And, uh, and I'll admit, it takes practice. But it does take practice. It does take wanting to, right? If you're like, woo, I don't know. I gotta, uh, my show comes on at 7. I want to have everything done before 7. Uh, I can't do that. It, uh, you're never going to be at a point to where you're going to have that kind of relationship, that newness. When we're not willing to, to surrender the things of our life to Jesus and let him do what he wants to do with them, we're only going to go so far. There's nothing new in that. The newness is when you, we say, God, take it all. For those who have done that and they've surrendered everything to God, to those who are like, and don't get me wrong, nobody's perfect at it. We're all uh, We're all human and we're... Stupid at times. And we're not perfect at it, but for those who were able to give everything to the Lord, when coronavirus hit, it hit and they're like, whoa, what's going on? Looks like God's going to have to do something here. There's a little bit more peace in it. Right? Because you knew something was different, but you're completely in the Lord. He's in charge of everything. So whenever you lose your job, you're like, well, I'm sure God will... Provide, you know, I, I worked with people who are like, what if I lose my job? What am I going to do? And what did he do? He provided a, a paycheck for all those people. You know, we often get caught in ourselves that I got to take care of everything, but if we're truly submitting it over to the Lord, we live our lives as in, I don't know what's going to happen, but God will take care of it. Right? It's doing the new thing. Right? So we have to completely surrender everything to God. Not just little either. Not like, Man, this, you know, I came to the Lord and my marriage was a mess, and so I'm going to give all that to the Lord. And then you go to the work, and you're still the same person at work. You haven't submitted that to God. He can fix your marriage, but your work's going to end up not looking like what He wanted. So whenever you get to that day of judgment, and your work stuff is all past, which you spend a lot of time at work, all passes through that fire, nothing you did in that work is going to matter. If you haven't submitted being a parent to your to God, you're just going to get burned up. If you're not doing things for the Lord and allowing the Lord to do stuff in it, there's never going to be any change. We have to completely, 100% sell out to the Lord. We can't do it on our own. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all have died. Are you truly convinced of that, though? That he died, therefore we also died with him. And if we died with him, our way of thinking dies with him. If we've died with him, our selfish desires died with him, and now we have a heart for what he wants. We have a heart for what he's doing, right? And this is kind of a, one of those messages that we hear all the time, but we don't always think about what it means to die. But Chad's talked about it the last few weeks. And it's 
completely giving up what we want for what the Lord has for us. And I promise when that happens, it looks so much different. Like, you may want, like, the best car in the world, and the Lord said, hey, uh, I got this broke-down Jeep for you, and I want you to have it. And then a month later, you lose your job, and you got to take a job making less money. Right? You could have afforded the old car before, the new car before, but God said, I don't want you to have that because I see your future. Right? We often have all these great plans, but we're not willing to let God take over for them. I had a friend, uh, him and his wife, at one time owned about five cars. One of which he owned was a very expensive car. And then he got laid off. And they began having to sell stuff. They still, had, they still made good money and they could pay for everything, but they realized that five cars might be a little bit much. I know it's hard to believe five cars is a little bit much with two drivers, but it is. So they start selling stuff off, right? But he's still keeping the really expensive one and his daily driver. And then they realized they needed to sell the really expensive car. And they put it up to be sold, and nobody was calling. So they wanted advice. They called me, and it's like, Eddie, why won't the Lord allow us to sell this car? Right? Why wouldn't the Lord allow us to sell this car? We're asking him to do this for us. We need it. And my first question to them was, did you pray to the Lord when you bought the car? Right? We do a lot of stuff without praying for the Lord, and then we want the Lord to come in and bail us out. So what we do. We're like, oh, and that's actually what he said. He said, actually, no, we didn't. We had the money then, so we thought it was all right. But if he would have prayed to the Lord beforehand, he might not have bought that car, and they would have still had the money. Sometimes we would just fully submit to the Lord, allow Him to do what He's doing. Things work out in a way that look way different than we ever thought, but they work out the way they should work. And for our good. And for our good. Instead of going through and, and doing things and praying that God would honor them. Or praying that God would do something good in it. There's been a lot of people who who have started ministries with a good thought that, man, I just want to bless people, and I hope God honors this. Yet they never prayed beforehand before they started the ministry, and God never wanted them to do it in the first place. And then they're wondering why it struggles. It takes fully submitting. It takes fully giving over to the Lord, and the only way you do that is by being in His presence. By spending time with Him. By getting to know Him. It says, For Christ's love compels us. This is in Second Corinthians still 5. It says, Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. It's a big difference when you're living for the Lord and you're living for yourself. I couldn't tell you how many times I hear people say, man, I've just been struggling. I just can't get stuff done. And you're like, well, who have you been serving? And they're like, well, I'm just trying to live. I'm just trying to, to uh, survive. Life ain't about surviving. Life is about living with Jesus. I go back to me not wanting to go to hell and the reason why my life didn't change. My life didn't change because of the fact that I was just sinning and I was young and didn't know any better. My life didn't change because my mindset was, I just want to go to the better place. That's why my life didn't change. But you are here and Scripture tells us that we're supposed to be kingdom-minded. The kingdom will be built here. And I want you to think about how much time you spend with Jesus right here Yet in eternity, we're supposed to spend time with Jesus forever. I like to think that whenever I die and I get to heaven, we just pick up like we're old friends. We hang out, 
And it's like nothing changes except for me and Jesus are closer. Right? No longer do I have my fleshly nature holding me back, but I'm just a little closer. But I've already been spending so much time with him that it's a smooth transition. That's what I hope. But if you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I don't know that I spend a lot of time with Jesus. Probably when you die, it's going to take a little bit to get used to being there. I don't know how it all works, but I just want to know when I get there, I want him to accept me like we're best friends. You know, uh, my friend Pat Davis says it like this. He says, I, when I get there, I want Jesus to say, there he is. I've been waiting for you, man. You know, like we're old friends. I don't want him to say, I never knew you. I don't want him to say, nothing you did was for me. I don't want to go up there and realize that everything that I did in my life gets burned away. I want to get up there to know that whenever that I go through that fire, everything goes with me. That's what I want. I want to walk in, and the Lord said, man, that's awesome. I've missed you. you know, if he's truly our friend, we'll spend that time with him. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. People from our men's group would appreciate that from yesterday. We'll regard nobody from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. If you're in Christ, like I said with those building blocks, if they're in Christ, like if they're in that box, it's a new creation. And the Lord's in charge. If we're truly in Christ. The old is gone, the new is here. There's no more old wineskins. There's no more old garments. It's all new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I like that. We're made new with him. We're one with him. We have that great fellowship. We can have the Holy Spirit come in us because our new hearts can accept that. If you have a hard time feeling the Lord's presence, sometimes it's because you're not where you need to be. That God was reconciled, reconciling this world to himself in Christ and not continuing or not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. One thing I appreciated that Bob kept pointing out. Thursday night in prayer was, God gave us gifts to use, we need to use them. We are Christ ambassadors. If we're not living for Christ and we're not using our gifts to, to help people, we're not a very good ambassador. We're not a very good representation. If the ambassador of China is here in America, and all he ever talks about is Japan, he's not a very good ambassador of China. Right? If the ambassadors of Christ aren't showing everything for Christ, but instead we're looking like the world, we're not a very good ambassador of Christ. Right? The ambassador of Christ, everybody should be like, hey, there's the ambassador of Christ. Hey, there's that one that looks like Christ. And some people might be like, hey, there's that weirdo that follows Christ. But at least they know you belong to Christ. Right? If nobody knows, you're probably not doing a very good job. says, we are therefore Christ ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be our sin, so that in him we may become the righteousness of God. Do we live as if we're right with God? Or, better yet, are you right with God? Is every aspect of your life right with God? Have we surrendered it? Have we completely surrendered every aspect of our life? And, and it takes confession. It takes confession. If, and Mike posted it on uh, his prayer on Facebook the other day of confessing to one another. It's not because one another has to forgive you. It's because that's where healing comes from. It no longer controls us when we have an issue. You know, if I was struggling with drugs... First thing I need to do is go to my brother and sister and say, hey, I am struggling. 
Make sure it's people you trust. I am struggling with this. I need help. Now it no longer controls me because I'm not scared who knows because I already put it out there. Right? If you're struggling like Pastor Chad kind of shared it a little bit last week, but him and I both started realizing that we're stubborn. Uh, and when we go through something, we like to just go through it alone. Right? There's a time for that sometimes, but not when you're in the Lord. Right? So we realized that we had to start sharing with one another when we had struggles. And that's not easy for us. It's not the kind of personality we have. We just go through stuff. And sometimes we call it life. Right? Oh, that's just life. Sometimes not. Sometimes the enemy trying to hold you back. So we made it known. We talked to some of the leaders. It's like, hey, we got to do this. We have to start sharing with one another. Right? We have to start confessing to one another. We have to become right with God, and we need each other's help with it. Because when you're trying to do stuff on your own, you're actually probably not surrendering it to the Lord. I will probably close with this scripture, and it's Isaiah 43. I had to share it because God's put it on my heart. And then we read it at prayer the other day. It's Isaiah 43, verse 18, and it says, Forget the former things. You can almost leave it right at that. You don't even, wouldn't have to necessarily go on. Forget the former things. And I'm going to tell you that that even goes for the, the way things were four months ago. Forget it. If you're focused on the former things, you'll never make it to the new things. Right? Now, that doesn't mean, before, like, there's a lot more I need to say, doesn't mean you don't remember the things God did. If you don't remember what God's done in your life, you'll never have the confidence to go through the other things in your life. Right? So I should always remember that God's gotten me through hard times. We should always remember what God did right here in this church. We should always remember all the blessings He gave us, and we should share them with one another. Right? We should always remember that, but not be so focused on it that we can't move forward. But I should always remember what God did for me, right? So, like, let's say Keevan goes through something, and he comes to me, and he uh, he says, hey, I'm struggling with this. This is what I had. God got me through it, and this is what God did. A couple years later, I'm going through the same thing, and I'm like, oh, I remember God got Keevan through that, right? It helps. That's why we share those things. But... We don't dwell on them. We forget the old ways. It says, do not dwell in the past. See, I am doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. Do not dwell in the old thing. God wants you to have a new life. Don't dwell in your old life. Right? God wants you to have a new way of thinking. He doesn't want you to dwell in the old way of thinking. God wants you to have new wine, not old wine. God wants you to have the Holy Spirit, not the worldly spirit, which will also get you feeling weird. Now, it springs up, do you not perceive it? Talking about the new things. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me and the jackals and the owls because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. He formed you. He created you, not because he had to, he created you because he wanted you. He's saying we need to praise him. God didn't create us to live the way we used to live. He created us to live the way that he designed us to live. He created a life for you that's far better than a life you're trying to build yourself. And he created us, oddly enough, he created us to spend time with him. He created us to be one with him. He created us to fellowship with him. He created us to, to deny ourselves and be one with him, right? And the analogy God gave me in this is uh, dating. Whenever you first start dating somebody, so like when Jason and Tracy started dating, the first thing you do 
If you're Jason, is you take her to a nice restaurant, right? That's what you do. They may not have. I don't know. They knew each other for a while. But you take them to a nice restaurant. You try to impress them, right? That's what you want to do. And if you're a lady, you're getting dressed up. You're looking your prettiest. Both of you are going out there, and you're trying to put on your best face. You don't want them to see how weird you are. Don't want them to see your flaws, you know, and you're like, you're out there, and you're looking great. You're like, okay, this is how I need to look. I'm doing it right, right? You have that second date, and you're like, man, I took them to Biagi's the other day. Now i got to take them to Bonefish because they expect me to have a nice place for them, right? Like, I've done set a standard, and i got to keep it, right? And the girl's like, man, i got to go get a new dress. That was my best dress, and now I can't go out in something that's not as nice. And then, and then you go through that for a while, but then there becomes that sweet point in life, that sweet point in dating to where you're, uh, you just go over and you hang out, and you start having conversations. And it's more fun having those conversations than those fancy dates were. Because now you don't have to guard who you are. Now you don't have to spend a ton of money to impress somebody. You don't have to have the nicest dress. They can see your flaws and how goofy you really are. And that's the moments where bonding comes, right? Some of us are still in that first couple date stage with Jesus where we want him to always impress us. We always want him doing stuff for us. We always want him fixing our lives. We always want him doing big things. And we want to look pretty in front of him. We want to look like we're doing the right thing. We want him to to see us as, man, that guy's really trying or that girl's really trying. And we don't want him to see everything, even though he already sees it. He already loves us. We're already at that point that he wants to just hang out fellowship together and get to know each other more intimately. And and we're like, uh, I, I'm not ready. I'm not at that point. I don't want to wear my holy jeans and my old rotten t-shirt that I've had forever because I don't want him to see me like that yet. I don't want to surrender all of it to him. I'm not to that point. Some of you are like, I don't want to make that commitment. That's a big commitment to start going into serious dating with Jesus. There's a lot i got to give up to do that. But he's waiting for it. And when you get to that moment, hopefully for most of you, that was the greatest time of your life is whenever you started fellowshipping and you didn't have to impress the person quite as much. And the great thing is then you want to do good things for them because you love them. And that's what Jesus does. He wants to do all of it because he loves us, and we should want to do all of it because we love him. And we can still be, we can still lounge, and we can still not look our best when we go hang out with him. But he wants that from us. He wants us to truly submit, hang out with him, be in fellowship with him, have a great relationship with him. We should love him and enjoy being in his presence more than anybody in the world. It should be the greatest part of our lives is hanging out with Jesus. It's the only place you can truly be who you are. And nobody would be like, man, you're messed up. But it's the only place you can be yourself. And he's asking you to do that. Spend time with him. The way he does a new thing is allowing yourself to be made new and letting go of all the other stuff. I hope, like me, you guys want to be new. I've always thought, like, I mature slow, and I get more and more mature over time. But every time I get there, I realize I don't got it, right? Over the last four months, I realized I know nothing. I knew I didn't know much before, but when you look at everything around us, you're like, I don't, I don't know what in this world's true and what's not. The only thing I do know is Jesus. That's all I have. When this world went crazy, all I knew was Jesus is right. That's all I had. So... When everybody's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm just going to seek the Lord. I don't know what else to do. Bob and I were having conversations. We are both like, all we know is to seek the Lord. We don't know anything else. And we still don't know anything. Four months later, we still don't know. There's a million new corona uh, symptoms, and, and 
You don't know what to believe on either side, but we do know something's going on, and we know that things aren't right on either side. But we always know Jesus is, and He's wanting that, right? And if the world ended the day, I'm hoping when I get to heaven, I, I look at Jesus, and He's like, Hey, old friend, how you doing? Remember that time we did this? And I'm like, I do. Remember when we just hung out for a long time? Man, that was good days, man. That's what I want. I want Jesus to talk to me that way. I want Jesus to always remember me as one of his best friends ever. Actually, I think I'm his best friend. That's the way I'm going to look at it. He's my best friend, and I want you guys to have that same thing. Let go of the old and be his best friend. Be a friend with him. So I'm going to close in prayer, and the worship team can come up. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that, you, uh, that you're doing a new thing. God, we thank you that uh, you want us to be a part of that, Lord, that you want to fellowship with us, that you want to be a part of what we're doing, Lord. No, better yet, you want us to be a part of what you're doing. I thank you, God, that your whole design, your whole plan was to hang out with us. You didn't create us, Lord, so we could serve you. You created us so we can be with you. And we serve you because we love you. God, I pray that everybody in here would come to know you, Lord, that they would they would truly desire a perfect relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that everybody in here could deny themselves, God, that everybody in here would long for you in such a way, God. That you're enough, Lord. We don't want to take our past lives with us, Lord. We don't want you to fix our old ways, God. We want you to do a new thing in us. Let us become friends with you. They're more intimate than any friendship we ever had. Or let us desire you more than we've ever desired anything in our lives. And as we worship you right now, Lord, please reveal to us those things that are holding us back. John, you want to shut out the lights, buddy? And, uh, if you need prayer, we'll be here. ready to go where you go. Uh, make sure your heart's set on him before you get out of this place. Once you leave here, it's a whole lot harder to get your, your heart focused in the right place. Uh, we will be here.
Jesus' name we pray. Amen.